Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Guys, I could not believe what I was hearing. Like, this is on our, our ra- local radio station. This crap is being played. I couldn't even believe the words that I was listening to. It's Mike Shope. As a mom, it infuriated me. Like, why is this on here? And the Bulldog. Like, I started to get tears in my eyes. It upset me so much. And my 11-year-old daughter listens to this radio station. Uh Uh-uh. Never again will she listen to this. It's Mike Shope. I've got to collect myself because this is... This is what our youth is being subjected to. And the Bulldog. This is on our radio station that our kids are listening to. I am so upset. This is ridiculous. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. I cannot believe this stuff is on the radio. I just don't even understand why they think that's okay. On WGR. My daughter will never listen to that radio station again, ever. I am shaking. I cannot believe that filth is on there. Sports Radio 550. This, I don't know for sure, but I'm just assuming this has to be in regards to last night's uh, hockey game. Um, I, I kind of think that lady, you know, uh, the, the, the 11-year-old girl is going to rush to that whatever radio station that is as soon, as soon as she's old enough to do it, now that she knows that mom won't allow it. Um, I Here, here. So... Here are the Bills with it all on the line this weekend and in coming weeks. One false step and it may be over. Bringing on all the questions a lot of you were ready for a month ago. What happens this offseason? What happens to Sean McDermott? What happens to Stephon Diggs? What happens to Micah Hyde? What happens to Brandon Bean? One false move and we're almost maybe to that point. Without that false move, we could be talking about the first Super Bowl appearance for this team, win for this franchise. It just could be everything. And it's all right now. But I can't believe it because of what that is, what that amounts to, the magnitude of it for Buffalo sports. But I have to start with the Sabres. I just do. Last Wednesday, this it shouldn't take me very long to say everything I want to say about it. Then if you want to say something, you can come on in and do that. Um, because if I go more than five to ten minutes on the Sabres, I'm going to sound like the most miserable person walking the earth. There's huge football this weekend that has people feeling optimistic and very excited. People are glued to this, this Bill season, and what's at stake. And it's the holidays, and I don't really want to sound miserable, like the most miserable person walking the earth. Moreover, I don't want to be miserable, and the Sabres make me miserable, and they probably make you miserable. And 
we have to we have to acknowledge that. I think I have to acknowledge that. I want to. I don't have last Wednesday. I was off. I haven't talked to Bulldog since maybe the day before that, the day of that Columbus game last week. Good, the Columbus is coming back, by the way. Revenge game. Um, I, we, we were on the air together that day. That's the last time I've spoken to him. I know because I saw it on Twitter and my friends told me that the next day after that loss to the Blue Jackets, he went in on the Sabres. And, I mean, there's no one better uh, to do that. He, he, like many of you, and like I once was, he watches every game, you know, passionately and intimately and losses like that and this the compounding misery of the Sabres really takes its toll. And there are times when, you know, it's it's often, this is more me, like you want to block it out because it upsets you. Like really, why embrace anything that upsets you? You know, more often than not. Why live with it? Why not just leave it? And that can be serious things and that can be sports things. So he has never lost his passion for it. And fans, I mean, I think this, of course this is true. Like fans feel his his pain and his uh, frustration and anger about this incredible record of futility that the Sabres cannot apparently escape. And so I'm not, I'm not bulldog anymore. I never was like he and I were alike in how we grew up more sort of in love, if you will, with the Sabres and the bills. Really, really, really like the bills, not love the bills, but it's a different kind of level when it came to hockey and the Sabres. We both like that, but he, I've never been able to, you know, reach his apex when it comes to this. And in the last few years, and I've always felt it, you know, uh, necessary to admit it, I just kind of checked out because I just didn't believe in it. You know, I just, I just kind of, I've checked out. I'm not the fan he is. And I mean, I'm somebody, I don't know, I'm not looking for credit, but in 2005, 06, I just gotten married and I've had a press pass. We all get press passes to all their games. Uh, but I bought season tickets anyway because I felt like the fan experience into the Bills at that time. But I felt like the fan experience was important, and want, I wanted to I wanted to be invested financially and emotionally the way many of you are. And that ended for me like four or five years ago, and I just couldn't. I mean, I just didn't care about it enough to to do that. I just thought that they were so inept. The organization was so top down, top mostly, just so inept that. I mean, I just can't give them thousands of dollars a year anymore until maybe, uh, maybe. I've always thought this, and I've told my closest friends this, people that I shared the tickets with. um, This might take me more than five minutes, actually, uh, that I could get back into it, but I've always kind of doubted that I would want to. Once you've lost that feeling, and I'm in my 50s now, and the players are still in their early 20s, and that never changes. And I just never thought, have not thought, that I would sort of feel the same way I did 06, 07. And of course, as a, as a young person before that, where like, you know, when the, that, those two glorious years with the Sabres that of course ended in awful misery themselves, you know, the players were my age and I just like, I felt really like I could relate to them, um, in the same way fans do. And so, um, I just don't expect to be that way anymore, but 
you know, maybe a team like that comes along and, and that changes. But my goodness, how this season has gone after last year. Last year, so this is 12 years in a row, which is absolutely insane for an NHL team to not be able to make the playoffs, which half the teams do, as you probably know. It's like the lowest percentage ever in the NHL. Incredible. Last year was nice in how, with not really many expectations, at least externally, they provided hope and you know entertainment. It was not only a much improved team, but it was a fun team. And it gave all of us reason, I think justifiable reason, to believe that this would be like this was the be- a new beginning for the Sabres, that the misery had ended. They were much improved. They were right on the cusp of the playoffs, and they're super young. And I will tell you that in addition to that, for me, I felt almost a blind trust in the GM and his associates because of what I had learned about their process and how much numbers mattered, how it finally felt like the Sabres weren't just giving lip service to statistics and analytics. Like, okay, finally, maybe the Sabres are not a team anymore that just rolls Ristolainen out for 500 games in a row because he's big. Like, maybe it's different. And now, I mean, I guess you can overreact game to game, but I guess I just want to preface this with that point. Um, I just back at the at the beginning of the indifference, and if you are more like Bulldog, more relate to him than me in this, um, just outrage. Don Granado apparently is out of ideas, uh, except for the bad ones. You know, speaking to the analytics point today, he gave the obligatory. Well, you can't really know what the numbers are really telling you because sometimes they can be misleading. This is what, in the however many years it's been since the numbers got respect from like the first NHL team to do so, this is what the coaches say when they don't give a damn about it. And now he's talking like that. This after last night when he made a comment in the post game about how his team grinded at the beginning until they fell behind. They fell behind four minutes into the game. How many shifts is that? Does everybody, is everybody on the ice by that point? I mean, what kind of even, how meaningful is that observation in, in the slightest? And, and this is what, he's just resorting to the, the platitudes and the meaningless statements that coaches like Ralph Kruger made all the time when they really didn't have it. If you're talking, you've heard me say this before, maybe. I flatter myself to think that you would care. But as for as many hockey analysts who will tell you that a losing team isn't trying hard enough, you'll never hear that from me. Because that is a tremendous leap. It is a statement about the collective. Like, everybody's not trying hard enough. Everybody doesn't care. And it is so easy to misinterpret effort, um, what looks like a lack of effort for what can often be just 
unsure of what I'm supposed to do here. And that's the half step or tenth of a step that Boston needs to beat me down to the puck or something. Just not trusting where I'm supposed to go, where I'm supposed to be, who's up there, is he going to be where I expect him to be. That's a good team from a bad team in the National Hockey League. It's ridiculous to me to hear people talk about how a losing team necessarily isn't trying hard enough. And when you're the coach of a team that's losing all the time, that's what they say. And think about it. If Granado is going to say publicly that his team needs to work harder, well, how does that make him look good? I mean, that's not an out. I know that coaches never want to name names and be specific. Nobody ever wants to be specific, you know, publicly about who's doing their job or who isn't. Well, it's, they won't be public about who isn't. <laughs> they'll, tell, they'll tell you everybody's doing Make it specific, and they'll tell you that the guy's doing great. But team-wise, because it's safe and no one can really poke holes in you, they can't get you to say the other thing. So, well, you know, we, we need to grind. Grind. This team, by the way, didn't get better last year because of effort. Or were the same people telling you that they don't try hard enough now? Were they telling you last year that they tried harder? And that's why they were good? They got good. Or Sabres good, last year good, still not playoff good, with talent and skill and precision. And it was a breath of fresh air that this coach, replacing the, just the worst coach, with he leaned into offense. And not to mention his dumb analytics point today or useless grind point from last night, Yesterday morning, he's talking about, you know, again, paraphrasing, we realized that what we were trying to get the team to do early in the season was having negative effects, so now we're going to try to address that. Whose plan was that? Like, what is the coach really there for? I mean, who's Don Granado? So, what are the Sabres going to do? Either... Make the coaching change that I would say seems like absolutely called for. Hockey teams do it when they're good. Or do nothing. Those are the two choices, right? You've got good young players locked up for many years. That isn't changeable. Every fan knows that. Every team tells you that. You can't fire the players. So what are they going to do? This or nothing? What are they going to do? People seem to assume nothing, and I understand why. Because for the better part of a decade, there are times when you just wonder if the lights are on. I I choose, well, all right, so maybe, I've, of course, I would say this. Why did I have this kind of blind faith in the front office about their player moves and what they did or didn't do at goalie? Because I just bought into that the people who they were bringing in to make decisions were the right way. And I just, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, but I refuse to believe that the quants in the Sabres front office, I use that word, by the way, quants as a compliment, because that's what all teams should have in their front office. I mean, if not 100% of their front office. I refuse to believe that those guys signed off on Gergensen's 
for like the tenth year in a row or more. I just like the symbolism of that. I re- just, but the numbers are the point. I refuse to believe that they signed off on on Gergensen's and Kyle Oposo and Jost, who's the top line center last night and today is waived. Like, what kind of an operation is this? You've you've had twelve years in a row without even a sniff of the playoffs, and a a big reason for that. It's kind of been everything at different times, but a big reason for that is that your depth forwards get run over. And this front office brings them all back? I don't know. I mean, the rest is up to you. I I just, I'm being as completely transparent as I can. Uh, I just, I feel the pain of the fan base and the despair and the, the um, concession that you might be inclined to make. It's like, it's just never going to be good. It's just never going to get better. I just the coaching change see the the thing that people will say on the other side of that coin is that well of course you would say of course a critic would say change the coach that's what everybody says when you know your team is losing well yeah <laughs> just guilty what are you going to do instead if this coach is in the matter of a span of like 24 hours talking about how they're the philosophy for this season proved incorrect that they're not working hard enough. The oldest trope in the hockey coach book for a losing team, because I don't know, like they, th- they think somehow they maybe are less responsible for that than the players because it's not a system point or something. And then now it's, uh, well, the numbers really don't tell you. He's got Darlene glued to Samuelson and the, like, the bubblegum stats on that are horrendous. You can't pin that on analytics. And it's Rasmus Dahlin. Put him out there alone. Just it's going so badly. And Granado doesn't seem to even notice the way he's talking. I want to say, like, I was as, you know, impressed with how he talked and what he seemed to to be able to get from this super young team. Uh, last year, like everybody was, but I don't care. Like there's, I was this way at times about Lindy and he's like an icon and he'd won a lot of games before he got to a point at different times, two or maybe three different times in his lengthy span as a Sabres coach, like due respect, it's the national hockey league. And again, good teams fire coaches. So what is this going to be? Like, are we this season? (laughs) This season has felt over to me for like at least a month. And I know it's early and I know what last year's team's record was, which by the way, didn't make it either. Like I just know those things, but teams in this position usually do not make this heroic run to the playoffs against all odds. I'm an odds guy and the odds for this team to clear 90 points let alone what probably they will need for the playoffs, are very long. Already, it's not New Year's, very long. Here I am, it just feels like necessary on the Sabres with this huge Bills game and the playoffs and everything else. And the, the, the easy cliche always was that hockey season doesn't start until football season is over. And that means for the Buffalo Sabres for the span of 10 plus years that hockey season never actually started because most of these 12 years were over 
before the bill season was over. And this is another one. So I guess maybe, I don't know, they'll do nothing or they'll do the the coaching move that they'll probably, if that happens, you know, all the players will tell you it's really their fault. And um, I just, the wheels on the bus, right? Here's Brian. Hi, Brian. Hey, Mike. So I had kind of two thoughts about the Sabres. The first one is, you know, the core of their team is mostly guys who are picked in the appropriate spots for the draft. I do think they got a little unlucky with both times they've been number one overall. It was a defenseman, and it wasn't a game-changing forward or center. But in general, Cousins was picked about in the range that he was supposed to have been picked, middle stat. You can go down the list, Quinn um, and then Benson. So, to me, you're getting the appropriate talent value. It's not like they've gone – way off the rails there where you're picking guys a half round too early. So that's kind of perplexing to me is why they're not any better, which kind of maybe leads maybe contradictory to the second point is, you know, I read when uh, COVID happened that the Sabres got rid of all their scouts or at least a good chunk of them to save money and, you know, punt on that. And I guess my thought from that point is the, the closed loop on that is did they ever hire a full scouting department back, either those scouts or different scouts, and are they operating at, at full capacity there? Or is it like a Cincinnati Bengals situation where you read in Chad Johnson's book that, yeah, they, they've, they've run the lowest amount of scouts in the league for how many years? So it gets back to that kind of commitment point well, um, with, the, with the team. You know, um, my opinion on that might be different than others. Of course the Sabres are not ap- operating at peak front office have they ever like they're probably not but i just have never been like the ad scouts guy we've gone around on the roller coaster up and down up and down on that relatively speaking over the last 20 years 25 50 i don't know and um i think you can get there with fewer eye test guys and more of a commitment to data and I had convinced myself that the Sabres agreed with that, which gives them the excuse, like baseball teams don't spend in the front office like they should, I guess you could say, quote, should, because they can lean on the data and say, well, this is we, this, this can save us money, but you don't do it if you're doing it right in the name of saving money. You do, it, you do everything in the name of optimal decisions. And I think an NHL team can be perfectly fine, you know, not having a full whatever, the, the most scouts, but... You just have to commit to it. And my, I I guess it's a guess, but my take on it is that they're just not committed to it, at least when it comes to the lineup. And what the coach had to say today kind of just sort of nails that in for me. He's just not here for it, I guess. I don't know. You wanted to think maybe there was the symbiosis and everybody sort of saw it the same way, but... But I do think he's out of stuff to say. I mean, his team is is often getting drubbed. They're, they they see it seems rare when they're not behind early. When you're not going to the locker room down two nothing, uh, it just what's what's left. And he's scrambling. He's talking about effort. He's talking about oh yeah, we should play more offense. So he's talking about numbers. I can't really trust them. All the things that you might say when you really don't have the answers. And so what do I do with that? I mean, just. What's, what's left to say? 803-0550 for your calls. We'll do a lot of football. Sal will be on at 4. And 
Uh, Greg Wyshynski. So Greg Wyshynski on hockey wrote a great piece about the first Winter Classic, of course, in Buffalo and um, with the Sabres in this state. We had another guest cancel. Let's call Greg. So we'll talk to him. Thanks for listening. I don't want to sound miserable, but I do want to be honest. And when it comes to the Sabres, how could you not be just fed up? Lines are open for you. This is Mike Shope on WGR. You know what? Rusted off now. There's no more excuses going down. We got, I don't know how many games until... You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Every week, and we're going to want to be well above 500 uh, over the next 15 games or so. It's a good stretch here coming in. we got a lot of home games coming up, especially in January. I think it's going to be huge for us to uh, try to make this a lot harder place to play in. It's a little too easy right now, and we have to take it upon ourselves and be better. How? How? That's what I care about. Alex Tuck, the Sabres' next game is Saturday at 5 against Columbus. They also play Sunday, and they play in January, as uh, Alex Tuck said. Did we know that the Saturday night wild card playoff game in the NFL, so that would be two weeks from Saturday, is only on Peacock? Did we know that? I got the... Uh, the corporate email that everybody gets from NBC today about how, oh, Bill's Chargers smashed, you know, every every time it's the same. It's usually true, right, because it's football, so of course it, it drew this massive audience. See the, the ratings of the Christmas Day NFL games to the NBA games? Like Christmas Day is the NBA's day, traditionally. Five games lined up, and they're like 1 million, 2 million, 1 million, 2 million. NFL games, 29 million, 27, 32 I did not know myself that the there was a playoff game only on Peacock. Hey guys, all right, so this time we got away with it because the Bills played, so it was on locally. But unless the Bills are playing on the Saturday night, which I bet they don't because they were already on Peacock and they want to get more of us and maybe more other people around the country into Peacock, of course. Um, cross off the Saturday night slot for the Bills, I say right now, because of the Peacock thing, if they make it. What are we going to do? we got to figure out what the rest of the country had to figure out. But this is a playoff game. Hmm. Didn't know that until today. Maybe you did. Mike is with us. Hi, Mike. Hi there. Hi. Um, I bought my wife tickets earlier in the year to a game in Detroit in April. Figured it would be a nice little Christmas surprise for her. So now we got this trip all planned out. 
kind of going to be embarrassed wearing Sabres garb because they're just abysmal. That's about it. So I guess I wanted to vent, and thank you for letting me vent. <laughs> okay, sure. At least it's a road game, so there's probably a chance they'll be better than most of their home games. Here's Vince next. Hi, Vince. Hi, Mike. I uh, uh, just wanted to uh, kind of put the focus on Kevin Adams a little bit. Now, I know talk is about Granado and, and, and as it should be, but uh, Kevin Adams over the years, uh, the last couple of years anyways, you know, he's very firm about trusting his process and not sacrificing, uh, you know, the uh, the future. And uh, the point is um, other teams have fallen to the bottom or near the bottom, Toronto, New Jersey, the Kings, and even the Flyers now, and they they rebounded quite nicely. And you know, maybe spending two or three years at the bottom. And so I don't know what the process is that he's talking about, or, or, or I, I mean, I, I think he should come under some scrutiny too, uh, more so than maybe he has been. And you know, Granado uh, is, is included in, in that scrutiny, but I, I I think there's some question there too about what he's doing. Well, naturally, right? I mean, the GM is also on the hook for this. Myself, and I I guess I want to preface this by saying I've given Adams, by extension, the benefit of the doubt because of who the Sabres have brought in in the analytics world to make me think that he's on board. I don't know that he's on board so much as I just have kind of assumed it because I think he's been a part of that. I doubt very much Terry Pagula decided, "Let's let's go hire the math guys. So... I've kind of maybe I've been a little bit too safe on Adams. He is the general manager. That's his title. But I just am not he's not it for me right now like the coach is. Like why Ryan Johnson, ra- raise your hand if any of this isn't sort of where you've been at this season. Ryan Johnson like was good right away. That's a player they've acquired. Why doesn't he have a bigger role? Maybe Krebs. From Vegas, I thought, maybe you did too. Adams, all things considered, did pretty well with the Eichel trade. And Krebs was a very promising player. He's buried. Why is Krebs not where Gergensen's or Jost would have been last night? Like, what's that? And coaching, unfortunately for any coach, because it's a double-edged sword, like, if there's an answer to these questions that, Makes sense from a coaching standpoint, player's not ready, or he does this actually that you don't know about, these sort of behind-the-scenes kind of things or whatever, then okay, that's fine. But then why? I mean, if you've got a player with talent and an upside, like I would say Krebs, and I would certainly say Ryan Johnson, then the coach's job is to get the most out of them. And that's what Granado is kind of you know famously good for. That's how we got here. Development. And these things, and now I've got. It's incredible to me that Gergensen's is on the team, and I'm sure I said that seven years ago. <laughs> like it's incredible to me that he is on the team. The symbolism of it is astounding. And now when Thompson misses a game, it's like Z- the Zemgis show or Yost, Jost rather. Like just these things. I don't know. Like that is not. Well, who's on the team is the general manager, if not the owner. If not the owner, there's a lot of really puzzling lineup stuff and has been all season. The power play cannot function. 
Is that players? I like the players they have for the most part on that unit. Like I just I do not want it's it's how I feel, but it's also I do not want to double back on oh, is who? Darlene? Owen Power, maybe. Like, are these guys actually not good? I just hmm. I just do not want to double back and just change my opinion on that stuff. I feel like you have obvious young talent. What's left? simply to maximize it. And the GM really can't do that, aside from certain personnel tweaks. Now you're halfway into a season. What can you expect there? That season's probably over. Like, too late. And I also say what you want about this. I know many have disagreed and looked at this differently, including Bulldog. I, as confounding as the goalie thing is, I have a tough time banging on them for where they are at goal because I just, I think if you look around the league, you continue to see it, how flighty the position is and how just the Sabres have made moves in goal and they have this year, I guess I would say, not made moves in goal and you can lose either way. And for Comrie to still not be there for them and for Levi to be so erratic and just look not ready, uh, Lukanen... It's a part of their their mess is goal. So they are responsible for that, um, but I don't want to be duplicitous here. Like, for me, that wasn't ideal. Like, ideally, what the thing I wanted was a Lucanen trade, and I don't know if the Sabres really pursued that. Coming out of last year, is he enough of a prospect where they can flip him into somebody that would offer more stability? Maybe they tried, and that was not possible. But for me, that should I think that should have been possible. And anyway, so he's back, and he's lost six straight, and, you know, they're nowhere. Ray is next. Hi, Ray. Hi, Mike. I want to talk to you about a trade. But first of all, this, is, this has been on my mind because I know we're about the same age. You went to the Leafs-Sabres uh, game back in the 80s when, the, when, the, when they beat them 14-4. to 4. Was that on your mind last week because <laughs> we had such a high-scoring game? I, I was thinking of you, thinking – what hmm. Mike's thinking of this? Like, well, I'm 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 flattered by that, but frankly, I didn't care about the game at all. Okay, I I was just impressed that we. I was watching football. Scored. <laughs> I mean, I mean it. I just want to be completely transparent here. The 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 regular season say regular season NHL games do not move the meter for me unless we're in sort of a crisis point, which I guess we are for the seventh time in ten years. I don't know. We certainly are in crisis mode, and and I'm I'm the type of person I like to think about things in the moment, not react and, you know, kick somebody while they're down. I, I've been wanting a trade for a month and a half, or I, I'll even say six months during the off season. We have a, a lot of depth uh, in the organization. You know, I know some of them may not be proven, but there's a bunch of hopefuls, and I would love to get rid of a bunch of hopefuls for a stability uh, of an of a NHL-proven player. I'm not well-versed in knowing who, but, you know, to stand pat in the off season with the hopes of elevating our team to just Levi, you know, nice thought, but it just it it wasn't good enough, especially after a guy only played a handful of games. I mean, that's what I liked about Tim Murray. You know, whether you liked his trades or not, he did bring in some talent. He used the youth. He used first round picks. You know, I still am baffled why it didn't work. Excuse me, work out years ago, but. But he, he used what he had as assets, and I wish Adams would be a little more aggressive. He got aggressive in defense. That's great. But you're right, Gergen, bringing Gergeson back for two two and a half million, it's like, 
we couldn't up the ante for Patrick Kane, give him four? I mean, the players would have played hard for this guy that they idolized growing up playing, you know, half the team. I I wish to be a little more aggressive. I mean, what are we waiting for? The trade deadline? I mean, we're we got our trade deadline's got to be January 1st. We're we're in a hole. Well, I think the time if they were going to cut into their excellence and promising pool of young prospects and players, they do not say that sarcastically, if they were going to do that, the time was the summer. And I'm sure they made, apparently, I mean, it seems they made a, an organizational choice not to do that, Kulik and Roseanne and Ryan Johnson and, and others. And, you know, there's definitely, that's defensible. That's defensible, but you have to you have to not have this season, right, to be able to avoid that particular criticism. And I doubt very much the Sabres expected this season. I doubt very much they expected this from Samuelson. Apparently they thought Eric Johnson was a good idea. You know, they've had key players in and out with Thompson and Tuck. Uh, on, that happens to teams, though. Like, that's not really much of an excuse. They might have thought that... Levi would be amazing right away. I've said a thousand times how dangerous that is. And I would got to think the Sabres also knew that. I mean, they if they know what goaltending is all about, and I've believed that they have, they would never have been too comfortable putting any goalie in based on his college status, you know, thinking that he was going to be the world. So, um, so what? I don't know. So what? Yeah. It's too late. Like, I'm not trading Kulik now. They're 14 and 22. If they make the playoffs, it'll be a miracle. And probably no player you're trading for now is going to make that much of a difference where you can do it without just like the team itself completely flipping a switch. So, I get just some, almost just as much of a chance that with that happening than trading for some, you know, winger on an expiring contract. And the Sabres have paid up anyway this year. I read how this year they've now they've got more than five million dollars in commitment in Rochester from guys like Joe's who've been waived. Like just sketch. Sketch. See how hip I am saying sketch and sus instead of suspicious. Sus. I'm so hip. A uh, little football next, and then Sal. Let's um, brighten the mood. Mike Shope here. Bulldog is off this week. Happy holidays. This is WGR. Welcome back, Mike Shope here. Happy New Year. Are we past the threshold now from Christmas? Are we still listening to Christmas music? I'm done with it. I don't know about yesterday. I think I would have been done with it yesterday. All right, so it's been three days. That's enough. I think that maybe not for you. That's enough. Now I listen exclusive. I'm, I'm really all the way into New Year's music in our in our house now. So you can't really, there's no room for both. Sal Capaccio coming up in about 15 minutes. Looking at some playoff picture stuff today. Um, pretty clear the three and four seeds in the AFC. So Kansas City is the three. And to clinch the three, they cannot move up anymore. Wait a minute. Is that is that actually true? I'm second-guessing myself suddenly. What's the gap between the Chiefs and the Dolphins? Because they've beaten the Dolphins. 
Well, I guess if the Bills lost to New England, holy cow, I just completely tied myself up in about one second. The Chiefs do have a chance at the two. They're two games behind Miami, so if the Bills lose to New England, Miami can lose two games, win the AFC East, and the Chiefs would take that spot. That's the only way, because the Bills have beaten Kansas City. Apart from that, it's the three for the Chiefs with one win. It's the AFC West title for the Chiefs with one win, or one loss from either Denver or the Raiders. They're still, even with this slump, this tremendous slump that they're in, they're still right there. And they are also in great shape to protect the three from the AFC South teams. The four, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Houston. Kansas City really needs one win and for the Bills to not lose to the Patriots. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. And they will be the three seed, which, you know, could very well mean Buffalo at Kansas City if the Dolphins get the job done here, one of these two games in the first round. Jacksonville, and Jacksonville is similarly, even though they're in a three-way tie, the only way Jack, similarly, like, really on the cusp of locking that down, because if Jacksonville wins at home against Carolina, the worst team in the NFL, they go to 9-7. and seven. The only way they don't win the AFC South. So next week, Indianapolis plays Houston. The winner of that game would also have had to win this week to get to 10 wins, and then Jacksonville with a loss next week against Tennessee would end up at 9-8. and eight. So if the Colts and the Texans both win this week, then Jacksonville is vulnerable. But they're really not if one of those teams loses but then beats the other Next week, they win on all the ties is really the simple point. Jacksonville wins on all the ties against the Colts and the Texans. So 9-8 and eight can be good enough for Jacksonville at the 4. Cleveland playing tonight is almost a sure thing for the 5 with another win. They could still also get to Baltimore if the Ravens lost two games. But the Browns are in the 90s percentile for the 5 seed, hosting the Jets tonight, 7.5-point favorite, And then the Bengals next week, one win almost does that for them, assuming the Ravens don't don't blow it. So very good chance of Cleveland at Jacksonville in the first round. Who's favored? If the Browns roll in to to the five seed, even like they could be in a spot where they don't even play guys next week, like they clinch before that and can do that, they're going to look hot. Like they're really kind of rolling right now with Joe Flacco and the Jaguars seem like kind of a mess. They could end up stumbling in. Doesn't mean they would have to lose that game, but Cleveland at Jacksonville looks pretty solid. And then the bills, unless they can run down the dolphins, very possible as the six with this win Sunday at Kansas city, we're pretty close to for two weeks left. And for as many games that are yet to be played, Uh, and as many teams also that are still alive, we're pretty close to Bills-Chiefs 
Browns-Jaguars as first-round matchups. In the NFC, you have that with Dallas and Tampa. Not all set. Each of those teams could move. But with Philadelphia up on Dallas and an easy schedule, very likely to win the NFC East, putting Dallas as the five. Tampa with a good edge at this point, and looking pretty good, by the way, uh, the Bucks to be the four. Rematch of a first-round game last year when Brady was there. The Cowboys at the Buccaneers. Dallas won that game. Baker Mayfield has saved his career. He's done well enough in Tampa. I mean, I think the odds on, you know, guess is that he's the the quarterback of the Buccaneers next year that they that they extend him. Um, but he's playing somewhere. He's done really well, and it was right on the precipice for Mayfield to be just either a career backup journeyman guy or even out because he's this is his fourth team. First round pick, first overall pick from the Allen draft. He's not old. This is his fourth team. But it's it's worked out. He saved his career with the Bucks. Mike Evans has held up. Another great year for him. Godwin, Rashad White, effective, productive, as they're almost every down running back. I wonder if the Buccaneers are a little bit live if they were to um, win that division, which they probably will, and then host the Cowboys. Both are around 80%, Tampa and Dallas, to be locked into those seeds, that 4-5 game. So you've got three. Bills, of course, could change that. I know you're all hoping they will. Uh, You've got three first-round games that are, for two weeks left, pretty close to known. Still, of course, again, that could uh, change. Sal Capaccio next, the latest on the injuries, the game against the Patriots, the playoff picture. Von Miller spoke today as well. We'll talk to Sal after this and the update. This is Mike Shope on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.